1: Great to be back with you. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy. Uh, he alone is the reason we're meeting right now, sitting just a few fr- feet from me. It's Kevin, and a lot going on with our ministry. Continue to pray in that way. Good morning, Kevin.
2: Good morning, sir. Very grateful things are going on in the ministry. Oh, you know, praise I praise God. I had two calls on the same day. One, one from Milwaukee said, "Man, we're starting up round two of the chapter," and uh, and then. Uh, the other one from out near Salt Lake City said, man, we're starting round one. So that's exciting. I
1: want to help. And there's, there's so much excitement in there, and that's the way God works. He's, uh, he's in the excitement business. Today we're going to be talking about as our words. In a little while, we're going to be back in chapter 19, verses 25 through 27 of the book of John, but we want to talk about compassion and responsibility, and we're going to read that all over the scripture today in verse 27, Behold thy mother, and from that hour that disciple took her under his own, and And we think about that whole idea of compassion and responsibility, that we as people should be compassionate, we as Christians, we should be responsible, and, and I mean in the midst of the trauma, in the midst of the stupid stuff, in the midst of the crazy stuff, in the midst of a world that's upside down down. Uh, and the Bible reminds us over in, you know, he was right in the church of Ephesus. Paul was Ephesians 432. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgive you. And when Jesus came out, he saw the much people and he was moved with compassion toward them uh, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things and uh i'll tell you uh, so many things you go back to the old testament bear ye one another's burdens in genesis and um i'm sorry that's galatians genesis is uh, and he repented of the lord but in galatians 6 2 bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ so the bottom line is we continue on with this great example from christ he's being crucified Right now, as I speak to you, we're in a portion of the scripture where Jesus is on the cross. And and folks, there's a lot more information. I was reading Matthew. I was reading the Olivet Discord. I was reading uh, about the crucifixion today in the book of Matthew and decided that our next step as we finish the book of John is we're going to hop in right there at the Olivet Discord and go through the crucifixion on Matthew. We're going to see a little bit more. But throughout this, Christ has displayed his compassion and he's displayed his responsibility for his mom. And I'm not sure who you're responsible for out there, folks. I, I, I don't know that. But I do know this. Uh, Jesus shows us that our responsibility... Is it's hand in hand with compassion. They're twin brothers, same mother, same God, saying, let's look out for one another. And, you know, let's drop off a meal. Let's, you know, and folks, there's always those people that are gonna borrow money from you and owe it to you for the rest of your life. There's always people gonna borrow your tools and never give them back. There's always gonna be those things that stand in the way with our relationship. Just don't loan them tools of money anymore. But be <laughs> compassionate. Mm. Be responsible, Kevin. That's where we need to be at.
2: That's so good that you you mentioned how we have to sometimes just separate the um, the reality from the the compassion, and in other words, we can do both. We can do both. We can we can back off and be safe, but yet retain compassion. Um, I was thinking how. You know, the Bible says, but whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That's first John 3, 17. And you know, just not shutting up your bowels of compassion. That's a decision that God always wants us to keep. And that that consideration it is is hard, I think, for some people, Doug, to separate out because when some people think open your bowels of compassion they think it means just open yourself up for hurt and um and they expect you to do the same but that's not what what God is saying and you know sometimes reality is we have to we have to carefully exercise something that is going to temporarily hurt someone we are not making the decision to hurt them we are making the decision for a higher good that someone will feel that may feel hurt in example during the um early part of our country and the uh, um the the uh, revolutionary war there was a woman named mary ludwig hayes she became known as molly pitcher she lived in the area where i grew up up near where doug went to school at the carlisle uh, war college but uh she she lived in carlisle she was, she was born in new jersey but she grew up grew, uh, lived in carlisle <clears throat> from a teenager on and she was uh she, she carried some uh, a load of goods. In those days, you know, the supply lines and, and whatnot uh, was, was just different. And, I mean, we're a fledgling army. So she went <clears throat> to Valley Forge, I believe it was, and she saw uh, General von Steuben and those guys doing their stuff. But she also heard an American commander Saying, all right, man, I want you to go out into the countryside and when you go when you go to a field, get what we need for our army. When you go to the American people, the people we're fighting for, when you come to their fields, get some stuff for the army, that's a given. That's what we're that's what everyone expects. He said, but then when you get what you need, harden your heart and burn what's left. And I was thinking about that just yesterday, that you know. <clears throat> is it possible that there's a time when you should harden your heart? And I thought, you know, really the answer is no. Don't harden your heart. But this is what he said when Mary Hayes, a.k.a. Molly Pitcher, came to him and said, Sir, that is so mean what you just told our men to do. She was there when the order was given. As a wife of one of the guys, they did things different back then. She was in formation with them, I guess. It probably wasn't even a formation. But... When she took um, issue with it, he told her, he said, dear Mrs. Hayes, he said, does that sound hard to you? He said, I'm sure it does. But he said, you need to realize the American people, the American farmers are not stupid. They are squirreling away everything they can from the British. So when we burn their goods, that is helping everybody. And they recognize it. But he knew it would be hard Doug, for them to make it, for the soldiers to make the decision to burn American fields. So he said, harden your hearts. And I think there's some times where we have to practice a little bit of tough love and say, this is going to kill us, but we're going to have to do this for the greater good. But then talk to the people and say, hey, it's it's going to be all right. We know y'all got some sense.
1: Yeah. And, and remembering that Valley Forge was a strategic place for them to go because they, they needed cover uh, but sadly, it was very close to British strongholds all around them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, but Debbie actually won her award, the Molly Pitcher Award, as my wife. Wow. It's, uh, the Army gives that out for people who help military people, who feed them, uh, help them drink, you know, medically take care of people, yeah. look out for people. Give so that's a pretty – having that compassion and responsibility. And and what a, what a story. You know, that lady showed responsibility and said, hey, sir, you know – Uh, We're hurting these people and things like that, but realizing there's a bigger plan with the military command, realizing that there's something bigger there. And uh, I like that story. That fit perfect. You know, over in Colossians, pardon me, it says uh, in 312 and 13, put on therefore as the elect of God, and I believe that term elect in this verse means those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, as far in your stomach as you can get, have bowels of mercies, be kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, that patience, but more than uh, patience. Long-suffering in the Greek is one of these strong words that's just continuous. So the the idea for a patient word in the Greek is like a one-time shot. Long suffering means I'm all in. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna I'm gonna hang in there, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a call against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now that's some hard stuff there, folks. I I get that. I get there's people who hurt us, I get there's people who've done the unspeakable to us, who've left us, who, uh, you know, we wind up in situations where we're alone, we're broke, we're, you know, in between houses, in between jobs, in between whatever the case may be. Uh, You write it down. Our kids, they grow up and they move away, and that's hard. Thankfully, they keep up with us and throw us a meal once in a while and swing by. But those these are all hard things. But in the midst of even those of you who've been through terrible traumas, in the midst of even those of you who've been hurt in the, in the worst of circumstances, in the midst of all that, you know what God says? He says, you're the elect of God. Be holy. Everything that falls under that one word, Kevin, holy.
2: Mm. Yeah, there's a holy response to to uh, situations and the holy response is just what you said Doug reach down to that deepest bowel of compassion and if something you say is, is or, hey if you look at God and something feels cruel seems cruel to you realize from the depths of his heart he is after your good and so in your time of trauma let's not misinterpret let's separate what God is doing ultimately as it says Romans 8:28 working out for your good and give god the benefit of the doubt that it's going to work out in the end
1: and it will folks listen we'll be right back with you let's let these stations do what they have to do.
0: doug will return shortly meanwhile you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements
1: Again, thanks for tuning us in. We know it takes some effort. We're so glad you did that. We continue on looking at the life of Christ, verse by verse, exergetical study, uh, just trying to understand how Christ's life uh, put together with our life in a practical way, how we can glean from that, learn from that, grow from that, uh, go through the sanctification process, and and figure out what God has for us on this day with the information we got. And we're starting on verse 25 of chapter 19 of the book of John. It says, "Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sisters, his aunt, Mary the wife of Cleophas." and Mary Magdalene. So you got quite a crowd here. You have these three women standing by Christ's cross. I, I was thinking about this. I was just looking at this just before we got going a minute ago, and here they are ministering to Christ. Here they are right by his cross. We're not going to leave them. If they tried to take them down, if they can you imagine being a mom? Can you imagine being an aunt? Can you imagine being a woman that God completely changed your life and that God that did that is hanging on a cross. That's what's going on there, folks. That's that's what we're looking at right now. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said right here, She's your mom now. I need you to look out for her. John, I need you to take care of my mom. I need you to make sure all that's taken care of. I just I, as I leave, John, you take care of my mom. You take care of Mary, the mother of the fleshly god. You take care of her. And uh, and, and he agreed to and, and then he looked at at, at Mary. And said, this is your son. You know, he's going to look out for you. He's the one who you can go to if you have that flat tire. If life isn't going good, the crop isn't going good, get a hold of John. He'll take care of you. And uh, I'm kind of blown away at this. I I always stop at Mary Magdalene here, to be honest with you. Here's this devoted follower of Christ. And, you know, sometimes we can come from the most hard, most sinning, most (laughs) crazy place in life. But when God changes us, there's a devotion, folks. Uh, There's a compassion and responsibility that comes that changes everything. Mary Magdalene Magdalene wasn't really worried about much now. She hung out with the in crowd. She hung out with Jesus' mom. She hung out with Jesus' aunt. Uh, undoubtedly she told the stories that, you know, and talked about her continued devotion for Christ and even there at the crucifixion. And I, I'm just blown away by that. But what compassion, what responsibility right there, getting ready to die. Christ is like, Hey, John, your mom, mom, your son, you mm. guys got each other. And, uh, mm. and, and then the support coming together and brethren, this is what I've learned at the time of death. I've stood by, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 people, When you're a pastor in New York, and then along the way working out of churches, I've held hands with people, uh, thirty or forty times that took their last breath, and uh, there with kids, devotion. I remember being in one house up in Virginia. The pastor was going out of town. He said, "Doug, this woman's got another thirty days to live. Nothing to worry about." But I gave him your number, just in case. And I got to the house and. And she was failing. She was going. And I sat down in the midst of all the kids, and we sang and prayed. And at one point, I was holding their mom's hand. One of the other kids was holding the other mom's hand. And we made this circle, as many do, and we sang Amazing Grace. And this lady, she took her last breath, smiled, and left to go be for eternity with her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And mm. I remember that I remember all the kids running out of the room and calling the funeral home and having a conversation and there I am sitting there in this room and I realized something at that point in my life. The ultimate compassion. The ultimate responsibility is when you're all in and say I'll go be with that family, Kevin.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know uh, there are dogs that are trained to stay by a dying person and to sniff when they're dying and like stay. And <clears throat> I posted one of those, a picture of one of those in the article about it on Facebook while I was with my dying mother about a month ago, three weeks ago. And um, it was touching for me to read the picture that dog there. And you know, dogs will stay by the grave sometimes at their master, how they figure all that stuff out um, and, and don't leave it's just amazing that's that's compassion yeah and jesus christ the most compassionate person you know he he made man and then he bought man and while he was paying the price for our sins He's there delegating his responsibility. He's like, I won't leave the responsibility. Uh, okay, well, you're going to die, son. All right. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm making stuff up, I'm not even reading between the lines, but, you know, to personify his compassion, he's like, Okay, Father, but I ain't gone until I take care of Mama, you know. And uh, and so he delegated the responsibility in his dying in his dying time. And I know people that have trouble delegating responsibility, and they're alive because they're narcissistic, and they want to be in, you know, they will not delegate. And we all have some degree where we don't want to give things over to a knucklehead. But but Jesus Christ, you know, it's interesting, too, Doug, who he chose. He chose John the apostle of love of all the apostles the one that didn't die a martyr's death they tried to boil him in oil it didn't work but john the, the he chose the most loving person not the loudest not the the one who wore spirituality on his on his sleeve so to speak but the one of love and uh, he said you know son uh, behold thy mother And uh, so there, it's pretty pretty amazing that in this uh, scenario, you got three Marys there. One of them's his mother, and uh, she's going to be, you know, bereft and destitute. And Jesus said, I'm not going to go until I take care of this. And I thought about one other thing, Doug, the fact that Mary had—this is the moment of her trauma. This is the point of impact of a prophecy told 33 years before that— and Simeon blessed them. And when, when the child came to the temple for circumcision, I believe with his being carried by his parents, obviously, Jesus was going to be circumcised. Simeon picked this old guy, picked picked him up, blessed them, and said and to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Then he said, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mm. So God here is telling Mary, hey, there's a, a sore going to pierce your heart, and and it's no more clear than here at the cross when she's watching her son uh, having been arrested and go through this awful situation. He's dying. She can't do anything about it. Um, you know, what's she going to do, climb the cross and yank him down? I mean, this just was a terrible, terrible scene that was unfolding and the, the the Bible says it says that that moment will be a sign uh, for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And Doug, that's what we're involved in. Trauma ministry is is showing people Jesus Christ as a sign that they can fall and rise again. Amen. <laughs> because Mary came out of this thing pretty happy that she had a new daddy in it, and uh, and Jesus came out of it, her risen Lord and Savior.
1: Praise God. And, and, you know, the compassion speaks. There's so many volumes that's, that's spoken here. And, you know, what we don't want to do and what we're not doing, thankfully, is just making this a narrative. Well, Christ died. We're okay. There's so many stories here. You know, years ago, I, I, I actually wrote the three Marys as a report in college and uh, talking about the differences, where they came from, what they went through, standing on that cross, yet every one of them dying inside. Uh, the difference was the Holy Spirit of God. An angel came to the mother Mary, the Holy Mother of God, or the Mother of God. The Bible says uh, she wasn't holy; she was uh, uh, just like you and I, but chosen among women because she was so cool, you know, and so godly and so right. Yeah. And uh, yep. she's like, "Yeah, I knew I had to give them up." But there was weeping, folks. I guarantee it. It was gnashing. there was hurting. There was Mary Magdalene's like, what now? Look where I came from. The aunt's probably ministering to her sister and holding her nephew. And uh, folks, it's a sight I can't unsee in my mind when I think about Mm. it. We sure do love you folks. Come back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about that term, it is finished. Some of the greatest words we find in the Bible. We sure do love you folks. Have a great night. May God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to our broadcast.